Now that Hillary Clinton has finally admitted she's a sick old woman about to be mercifully carried off by pneumonia, many of you may have begun to ask yourself what will happen if the Democrat candidate for corrupt president becomes too ill to continue her campaign. How will she be replaced if she steps down? And what if she dies? Will she really have to go to hell for all eternity? Or is there some chance a fire hotter than a thousand suns will purge her desiccated soul of the blackness of her innumerable sins? Actually, I can't answer that last question, but I can explain the Democratic National Committee's bylaws for how she can be replaced. Now, first of all, let me reassure those of you who don't wish Hillary dead, and feel free to move in closer so you can hear me better, that there is no evidence that Hillary is gravely ill. As Jennifer Granholm, a pertly attractive blonde woman who used to be governor of somewhere or other, as she said, powering through illness is just what women do. And of course, all men already know that because we're the ones who have to listen to all the complaining before going out to earn enough money to support the women while they're powering through or whatever the hell it is they do all day. But in the event Hillary should, fi Hillary should finally admit that, let's face it, she's heading off to that big Benghazi hearing in the sky, the DNC's charter and bylaws make it very clear what procedures must be followed. According to DNC bylaw 78.42, section 53, quote, should the essential corruption of a Democrat candidate begin to manifest itself in material form such that a physical cancer begins to mirror the spiritual cancer that has infested every corner of her being, a series of meaningless meetings shall be convened while Barack Obama asks Valerie Jarrett what should happen next. When Jarrett decides who should be the replacement candidate, all committee members shall record their vote on a three-by-five index card, which they shall then fold into a paper airplane to be thrown across the committee room, whereupon whose, whoever's plane flies furthest shall win a free trip on the Lolita Express, if male or if female and under 15. After the vote is taken, Valerie Jarrett's candidate shall be added to the ballots in all 57 states. In those states where the law forbids the addition of a candidate at this late date, the Secretary of State in charge of enforcing that law shall mysteriously disappear in a van marked George Soros dry cleaning service, irritating wrinkles removed. The local law shall then be deemed to have the same effect on the Democratic Party as the United States Constitution, namely none, and the candidate shall be declared president for life, unquote. Hillary Clinton has denied these measures will be needed, telling reporters, quote, I am not leaving the race. If dead men can vote for Democrats, then why shouldn't dead men vote for dead Democrats? Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm late for my embalming. Unquote. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. <laughs> All right, John, you got through that without laughing. You know, people bl blame me for laughing, but I just, I just want to take full responsibility for the fact it's Jay Hay's fault. I, <laughs> it's like, it's, he cracks up and then I crack up. That's, that's the way that works. All right, a lot of stuff to talk about. More fallout from all this health stuff and some cultural observations after a really uh, interesting evening of football last night where Colin Kaepernick carried out his threat not to stand during the national anthem, which I know he'd done in preseason, but now it's the real season. First of all, you can watch this. If you are a subscriber, you can now watch this entire thing on the Daily Wire from beginning to end. So that's what you get for your lousy eight bucks. Uh, we've parsed that out now. It's a buck thirty-seven for me, and then I think the rest goes to Shapiro. But <laughs> it's, 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 that's totally fair, believe me. Uh, so you can watch the whole thing. If you're not a subscriber and you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, after 15 minutes, you're, you'll go blind. <laughs> it's just what happens. It's not, it's not actually the cu picture cutting out. It's you. You've lost your vision. 
And you can only hear us on The Daily Wire or on uh, iTunes or SoundCloud. And if you subscribe, you get to be in the mailbag, which is tomorrow. So please get your questions in for the mailbag. Yes, woohoo! Please get your questions in for the mailbag tomorrow. Ask uh, whatever you want about politics or the culture or anything else that's on your mind. And also, if you have something that you uh, is stuff you like that I'd like to hear about, I would like to hear about it. So include that with your question. This is also the last week to buy, pre-order The Great Good Thing, A Secular Jew Comes to Faith in Christ, my memoir of conversion. If you pre-order it, which you can only do till Friday, I think, uh, then you can send me the receipt at aclavin at dailywire.com, and I will sign a sticker to put in the book. All right, all this fallout over Hillary Clinton collapsing, and now they say she has pneumonia. Who knows what it is since they lie all the time. You can't tell. You can't tell what they say. You know, you don't even want to doubt her. People have been writing to me all day yesterday. People were writing to me and saying, what do you think she has? Like, how the hell should I know? You know, what, do I look like a doctor? I mean, not only that, if I were a doctor, what I'd be saying is like, I don't know. She's not my patient. You know, it's like, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, it could be pneumonia. could be emphysema that has now become pneumonia. could be like all kinds of different things. Anyway, it's, it's obviously got them agitated. A former Democrat National Committee chairman says President Barack Obama and the party's congressional leaders should immediately come up with a process to identify a potential successor candidate. So that's Don Fowler, who helmed the DNC from 95 to 97. He's saying that. Ohio, Ohio Governor Ted Strickland came out and said that Tim Kaine is a wonderfully prepared person to be vice president and to be president if that ever became necessary. Necessary. Not that it would ever be unnecessary, but the guy who, of course, made the biggest gaffe was our friend Bill Clinton. I, You know, somewhere deep down, I think Bill has a little bit of hostility to the idea of his wife becoming, you know, you know, you want the wife to stay home, you know, make you a sandwich, stay home. You don't want her running off and becoming president, even even if she is already sleeping with another woman. You still feel, you still feel that she, you know, there's a little hostility to that. So she, he goes on television, and this is almost what he says on CBS. Not quite, but almost. She's been, uh, well, if it is, it's a mystery to me and all of her doctors, rarely, but on more than one occasion over the last many, many years, the same sort of things happened to her when she just got severely dehydrated. So, so what he really said was frequently, well, not frequently, rarely, and they just cut out the freak because they wanted, you know, the, the media, they want to help us understand. They don't want us to make any mistakes to think that she's just constantly keeling over and falling down. So Hillary, like, remember the first scene of The Walking Dead, the first episode of The Walking Dead where that half-eaten zombie crawls, claws her way through the grass? So Hillary did, they got to the phone and called Anderson Cooper at CNN and defended herself from her husband. I'm feeling so much better, and obviously... I should have gotten some rest sooner. I probably would have been better off if I'd just pulled down my schedule on Friday. But uh, like a lot of people, I just thought I could uh, keep going forward and power through it. And obviously that didn't work out so well. Let me ask you, your husband said tonight in an interview with Charlie Rose, he said, quote, rarely on more than one occasion over the last many, many years, the same sort of things happened to her, meaning you, when she got severely dehydrated. Can you say how many times over the course of the last, say, five years you've been dehydrated and gotten dizzy? I know you passed out, hit your head back in 2012, which led to the concussion. How often has this happened? Oh, I think really only twice uh, that I can recall. Um, you know, it is something that uh, has uh, occurred a few times over the course of my life, and you know, I'm aware of it and usually can avoid it. Uh, what happened yesterday was that I just was 
incredibly committed to being at the memorial as a senator on 9-11. This is incredibly personal to me. And I could, uh, you know, feel how hot and humid it was. I felt overheated. I decided that I did need to leave. And as soon as I got into the air-conditioned van, I cooled off, I got some water, and very quickly uh, I felt better. So she can't remember how many times she's fainted because she keeps falling over and hitting her head <laughs> after a while. You just get this once, twice, a few times. I don't know. You know, if I couldn't keep banging my head, I would remember, but I keep banging my head and I don't remember. The key phrase she uses in there is power through. Now, I don't want to say that when I say the news media edits out things so that we don't, you know, make mistakes, I don't want to say that they, like, share the talking points of the Democratic Party, that they're all one group of people. But the Free Beacon has put together this montage, and this is all from yesterday, of people. See, power through has this kind of feminist overtone, because women like to think of themselves as powering through. their their victims. We're putting up, terribly oppressing them. Yeah, but, you know, they, they're sick. They have to tent, take care of the kids. But they power through. They love that image of themselves. This is, this is a big sell, especially Democrat women who are all such terrible victims of the oppression of being female in the United States of America. So they're all selling this. This is wonderful. The free beacon, this is all from yesterday, spliced them all together. She made a determination with her doctor that she would power through this. She made a decision to just power through this. We've decided to power through sometimes, just power through this. Continue to, to power through. Yes, she tried to power through it. She decided to power through it. Well, you know, Brooke, she just wanted to power through. She just wanted to power through her schedule. So she wanted to just power through and keep doing it. I As appreciate you know, all senator. of her desire to, to power through. To power through and get things done. She tried to power through it. It was Hillary Clinton's decision essentially to power through the candidate who famously wants to power through these things. She's going to try and power through. We say when you get a cold, just power through, power through. They thought she could power through. They thought she could power through it. They thought uh, that she could power through it. Wants to power through things. That too, that the powering through. Batch. Governor uh, Jennifer Granholm said women just power through these things. And I get it. I try to power through all my right. illnesses. But Hillary Clinton had a very busy day on Friday and she powered through that day. Yet she powered through. Powering through illness is what women do every day. She continued powering through. Uh, I think about mothers uh, powering through. I mean, she powered through that week. I'm going to power through. That was that was that was her way. So let me see if I've got this right. She was she was powering through, but she wasn't just an old woman falling on her face because she was too sick to walk. She was powering through just like mother used to do. Okay, so I love this. But but even on the left, even on the left, there are people who are saying, you know, the, this is it's not just the cover up. I mean, it's not just that the cover up is worse than the crime. It's that the cover up is part of an endless series of cover ups. So Maureen Dowd, total leftist, total left winger. However, Maureen Dowd, I have to give her credit where she where credit is due. I'm, I don't like her. I don't like I, I don't know her personally. I don't like her writing. I think she just calls people stupid names and they're supposed it's supposed to be funny. I think she's been incredibly unfair to the right, you know, just not not even logically uh, attacking them, just kind of making fun of them for no reason at all. But she has always been incredibly honest about the Clintons, and it has cost her. And so I admire her integrity on that. When Bill Clinton was cheating and, and abusing women and the feminists were going like, oh, you know, that's that's fine. It's wonderful when he does it. Maureen Dowd stood up for her beliefs and her opinions and took them on, and she took a lot of flack for it. So Megyn Kelly had her on last night, and this was her take on the whole thing. 
They want us to give them the benefit of the doubt now, that it really is pneumonia, that they knew that since Friday, that half the team has pneumonia. Have they earned it? Have they earned the benefit of the doubt, the Clintons? No, and, you know, I agree with David Axelrod, who said it isn't about the health, it's about the stealth. The health issue this week is a perfect microcosm of why she has problems. And, you know, I spent the, I started covering her in 92 when she first came on the scene, just as I did Trump in 99. And that's why I thought, you know, I could give some context to this. And this is the exact same pattern she follows every time, where Trump has his wall and she has her wall of defensiveness and secretiveness and just pushing back. The press can't know anything. And each time it gets worse because that spirals into a snowball. And her, the press and her foes get into a frenzy and then the whole thing is so much worse when it starts out as relatively mundane. So that's that's pretty much, I mean, there's a lot of people saying that, not just Axelrod and Dowd. You know, they're just saying, like, look, you know, this is what she does all the time with everything. So how can you believe anything she says? And why should anybody trust her? And, and the funny thing, the really amazing thing is not that Hillary Clinton is acting like Hillary Clinton. It's that Donald Trump isn't acting like Donald Trump. Donald Trump has been incredible. I mean, I keep waiting. I keep waiting for the big, because when the, sh the shoe drops with Trump, it drops right into his mouth, you know. <laughs> this time, he's not doing it. He is holding fire on this. He's been very uh, good about her health. Well, I don't take satisfaction, Joe. And frankly, uh, you know, I hope she gets well and I hope she gets well soon. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was it was uh, quite sad, to be honest with you. And, and I hope she gets well soon. No yeah. satisfaction, believe me, whatsoever. It was interesting because they say pneumonia on Friday, but she was coughing very, very badly a, a week ago. And even before that, if you remember, this wasn't the first time. So, it's very interesting to see what is going on. I, I want her to get better. I want her to get out there. I look forward to seeing her in the debate. Uh, I will say this, uh, the scheduling, you know, if you look at my scheduling and compare it to anybody else's scheduling, it is not a contest. So, uh, you know, I, I found the, the whole challenge to be very invigorating because, you know, it's about make America great again. That's what we're doing. We're going to make America great again. There's so many things, so many things that can happen. So he just slipped the stiletto in there. But, like, you know, you don't think of Trump that way. as like the fine Italian hand, you know, coming up and just slipping the stiletto. You know, he said, he basically said, like, I'm in great health. I'm running around everywhere. I, you know, I can't, my schedule is, would kill, would kill a lesser man, you know. But, but he's, so he's getting his digs in, but he's not saying the dumb thing. And that is very impressive. Meanwhile, he is also, to the New York Times' dismay, they ran a hilarious headline this morning, you know, the, to the New York Times' dismay, he's now going around and cramming this deplorable statement where she said half of Trump supporters are in a basket of deplorables. He is cramming this down her throat, and he's doing it while she's off the campaign trail because she's so sick she can't move. So the New York Times says, you know, Trump moves to take advantage of her disappearance. Like he's supposed to stand down and let everything pass. But instead, he goes out and he really gave it to her on the deplorable thing. Nope. Of our country. I was thus deeply shocked and alarmed this Friday to hear my opponent attack, slander, smear, demean these wonderful, amazing people who are supporting our campaign. By the minutes, our support comes from every part of America and every walk of life. We have the support of cops and soldiers, carpenters and welders, 
the young and the old, and millions of working-class families who just want a better future and a good job. These were the people Hillary Clinton so viciously demonized. These were among the countless Americans that Hillary Clinton called deplorable, irredeemable, and un-American. Okay, we're going to have a, some, a really interesting conversation about the culture, but we have to leave you on YouTube and Facebook, so come on over to The Daily Wire and hear the rest. Charge. All right. So, so Trump is really hammering her on the deplorable thing because, of course, she made the classic political mistake of not attacking her opponent but attacking the people, just like Obama made the mistake. But he made it in private. He didn't know people were listening when he said Every, we're all clinging to our, our religion and our guns and afraid of people who are different than we are. So the press, especially CNN, which really has become the Clinton News Network, rushes to help out by trying to catch Mike Pence in a moment uh, over David Duke. So this is Wolf Blitzer trying to get uh, Mike Pence to look stupid over David Duke. There are supporters, and you know this, there are some supporters of Donald Trump and Mike Pence uh, who, like David Duke, for example, and some other white nationalists, who would fit into that category of uh, deplorables, right? Well, as I've told you the last time I was on, I'm not really sure why the media keeps dropping David Duke's name. Uh, Donald Trump has denounced David Duke repeatedly. We don't want his support, and we don't want the support of people who think so like him. So you call him a deplorable. You would call him a I, no, no, I don't. I'm not in the name-calling business, Wolf. You know me better than that. So, so now, of course, they put out the headline, Mike Pence refuses to call David Duke deplorable, which, I'm sorry, I think people have caught on to this garbage. This is, this is a media-manufactured gaffe. We'll call it an MMG. This is a media-manufactured gaffe. There's nothing wrong with what he said. You don't have to go around calling people names. He said he denounced the guy. He said, we don't want his support. We don't want the support of people like him. It's all he has to say. This is just an attempt to make this kind of, this moral equivalence between the two sides. And by the way, there is some moral equivalence between these two sides. I don't want to deny that, but it's not about this. This is this is absolutely ridiculous. And Trump, by the way, is being very smart. He has caught, he knows the media's game. He is in the media. That's what he is. He's basically a reality TV star. And he is calling them out before the debates because all of the debates, uh, all of the debate moderators are liberal. So he's pointed out, he says, basically, he was talking about, you know, how the, uh, Matt Lauer had that thing, the uh, the forum where Matt Lauer interviewed Hillary and Trump, and Hillary came off badly, and Trump came off okay. I mean, I thought Trump looked kind of dopey, but he came off better than Hillary Clinton. So the media just piled on Matt Lauer, and Trump compares it to Bobby Knight, the basketball coach who would scream at the referees until the referees even unconsciously started making uh, calls in Knight's favor because they didn't want to be screamed at anymore. So Trump has picked this out, and he describes it perfectly. They're saying about how Matt Lauer was nice to try. He wasn't nice to me. He was tough on me. He gave me tough. I answered him better than she did. The fact is that they're gaming the system. And I think maybe we should have no moderator. Let Hillary and I sit there and just debate. Because I think the system is being rigged, so it's, a very, it's going to be a very unfair debate. And I can see it happening right now because everyone's saying that he was soft on Trump. Well, now the new person's going to try and be really hard on Trump just to show, you know, the establishment 
what he can do. So I think it's I think it's very unfair what they're doing. So I think we should have a debate with no moderator, just Hillary and I sitting there talking. That you know, this is all I can say. I don't know how many people have truly not made up their minds. They say there's like 18 to 20 percent of people are undecided. Maybe maybe so. I can't tell what that really means. But all I know is these last few weeks have been a disaster for Hillary Clinton and Trump, as opposed to the old days when he would add to the disaster by attacking Joe Scarborough, just shooting himself in the foot in some other way. He's been doing a great job. This doesn't mean he'll make a good president, but it does mean just observing the campaign that he's been doing a very, very good job these last few weeks. Any attempt to make him look bad has kind of foundered uh, where Hillary just looks awful. She looks terrible. I got to talk about something else on the, talk about the culture. Let's move into the culture a little bit. Uh, we had a, there's a, a football team. I'm a big NFL fan. I love football. I love watching football. And I was very excited because the St. Louis Rams have now become the Los Angeles Rams. It's the first time in a long time that I have been in a town with a football team and I'm just thrilled. And of course, last night they went out to play Monday night football and they were humiliated. I mean, if they had come out naked and the San Francisco 49ers had just beat them over the head with sticks, it would have been essentially the same game. You know, it was just terrible. I'm going to have to believe that, uh, you know, uh, Fisher's going to get them, Jeff Fisher's going to get them into shape. But, but the thing that did happen was two players, Colin Kaepernick and another guy on the San Francisco 49ers, knelt during the national anthem and two guys on the Rams uh, stood, but they raised their fists and I guess what a bla- was a black power salute, I suppose. The thing that bothered me about this was the ESPN announcers discussing it and talking about, well, you know, he has a right to do this. He's expressing his feelings. It starts a conversation and all this. So let's have this conversation because I think this is garbage. I think that – does he have a right to do it? Well, we'll get back to that in a minute. You know – I like to talk about where our ideas come from and go back to founding ideas because I really do believe that we stand on the top of a massive tower, a tower of Western civilization, and the left thinks they're floating in midair. The left thinks that they just got here through their own wisdom and through their own brilliance, and it's just all common sense. All this freedom, morality, it's just all common sense. It just pops into our mind, you know, full-blown like Athena from the head of Zeus, and that this is how, you know, we just know these things instead of the fact that people had to die and build this up century after century after century to get to where we are. And I always say the two bottom pillars of Western civilization, the pillars on which we all rest, are Jesus and Socrates. And the one thing you'll notice about Jesus and Socrates that is very much, they have very much in common is they were both murdered, judicially murdered for blasphemy. They were both killed by the legal system for blasphemy. And when Socrates was condemned to death, his friends came to him and said, look, we can get you out of here. You can escape from Athens. And Socrates said to them, according to Plato, this is Plato, saying, saying, the laws of Athens would rebuke me if I ran away. He knows, you know, he knows he's going to be condemned and killed. And he says, the laws of Athens would rebuke me if I ran away. They would say to me, we gave birth to you, brought you up, educated you, and gave you and all the other citizens everything we could that's good. And yet even so, we pronounce that we have given the power to any Athenian who wishes to take his possessions and leave wherever he wants. But whoever remains with us has now made an agreement with us to do what we command him to do. These are the laws. Socrates imagined what the laws would say to him. There's a translation by my son, the classic scholar (laughs) from the Greek. So the thing is, I mean, this is where we get some of our ideas about freedom from Socrates and from Jesus. And Colin Kaepernick has the right to protest 
what is happening in the country. This is beside. This is all besides my feeling about Black Lives Matter. I feel it's a bogus operation. I feel it's killing black people. I feel it's it's just manufactured by the president to distract people from his uh, his own failures. Doesn't matter. I don't care. Let's stipulate that it's the best thing that ever happened to the country. Colin Kaepernick has the right to protest this because he's an American, so he should stand up for the flag. You know, he has the right to change the laws, to attack the laws, because he's an American, so he should stand up for the flag. You know, this is the problem. The problem is that what he is doing is contained by what the flag represents. What he is doing is supported by what the flag represents, so he should stand up for the flag. And instead of ESPN sitting there and saying, you know, oh, well, we respect his feelings, we respect his ideas. I don't respect his feelings. I don't respect his ideas. You know, if if we all have the right to express our feelings, let me express my feeling. (laughs) My feeling is he's a spoiled, ignorant brat who should stand up for the flag that has given him every good thing he has, including his concept of justice and his concept of freedom. Everything that he's fighting for or thinks he's standing for is contained in that flag. And he is dissing the people who have died, not just this week, not just this year, but died through the centuries to give him what he has. And I don't see why he should be respected in any way whatsoever. I think he is a spoiled brat, and I think all of those guys raising their fists or kneeling while the anthem is played, I think they're spoiled brats, and shame on them, and shame on ESPN for not allowing anybody. It sounded like Boomer, is it Isaiah? I never know how to pronounce his last name, one of the older announcers. It sounded like he was kind of forcing out some respectful talk because ESPN is this leftist station. But I just think they should have nailed him. I think somebody should really come out and say what I just did. (laughs) So I did. You know, and... And here is another thing I want to talk about while we're talking about people being killed uh, for blasphemy. It is through the deaths of people, people dying for blasphemy, not just Jesus and Socrates, but through the years, people being burned at the stake for what they believe, that America finally came to, pres- to give people their religious liberty, the right to practice your religion. That practice is under attack right now, and there's a new report by the United States Commission on Civil Rights. This is a uh, commission that has really been a good commission, but is now, of course, peppered and led by uh, Obama appointees. And they came out and basically attacked religious liberty. And this is Martin Castro is the chairman of the commission, and he was appointed by Obama. And he writes, The phrases religious liberty and religious freedom will stand for nothing except hypocrisy so long as they remain code words for discrimination and tolerance, racism, sexism, homophobia, Islamophobia, Christian supremacy, and any form of intolerance. Religious liberty was never intended to give one religion dominion over other religions or a veto power over the civil rights and civil liberties of others. However, today as in the past, religion is being used as both a weapon and a shield by those seeking to deny others equality in our nation's Past religion has been used to justify slavery and later Jim Crow laws. We now see religious liberty arguments sneaking their way back into our political and constitutional discourse, just like the concept of state rights in an effort to undermine the rights of some Americans. This generation of Americans must stand up and speak out to ensure that religion never again be twisted to deny others the full 
promise of America. Let me just point out, by the way, that every single person who ever stood up against slavery, who stood up in the name of Jesus Christ, that every person who went down into the South and risked his life to bring people out did it in the name of Jesus Christ, that the Jim Crow laws were basically dismantled by the Reverend Martin Luther King, who wasn't called the Reverend Martin Luther King because we just liked him so much. He was called the Reverend Martin Luther King because he was a priest, a preacher of Jesus Christ, which is what power him and gave him the ideas that I had that he had and the ideas that changed everything. The only reason we know, the only reason we know that black people were mistreated was because Jesus Christ taught us that. That is why we know. And I am indeed a Christian supremacist. But let me ask you, see, let me ask you this. Let's, here, here's the thing. Why is it the same leftists who attack Christians for some of their attitudes toward homosexuality? They're feeling that homosexuality is a sin per se. Why is it that they have so much time for the Islamists who would, if they could, outlaw homosexuality and put gay people to death? Why is it these same leftists who attack Christians because they think that wives should be submissive to the husbands who should in turn empty themselves out in service to their wives. Why are they so upset by that, but not upset to see women put in bags and their faces covered and treated like second-class citizens by Islamists? It's not because, and this is why I hate um, conspiracy theories so much, it's not because Barack Obama is Islamic. It's not because they're working with the Islamists. It's because, it's because Islamism and leftism agree on the essential point, the important point, which is coercion, the right to coercion. What the leftists are betting on is if they can win the battle of coercion, then they can defeat the Islamists when the time comes. They're more leftists than Islamists. They have more weapons. They have better guns. They'll be able to defeat the Islamists as long as the essential point of coercion is gained. It is Christianity and only Christianity that says to people, no, you, have, you are a free man. You were freed for freedom. You have to believe by your own free will. And if you don't, you have the right not to. Only Christian countries have come up with that concept. And that is why I'm a Christian supremacist in the sense that I am a gravity supremacist. I believe the truth should be supreme. But... But if you don't want to believe in it, it is part of my belief, part of my Christian belief system that you don't have to. And the only reason we have that system is because of the, the customs and traditions and faiths and beliefs and truths that come down to us through the centuries. And, I, you know, these, these truths are indeed under attack, but we're here, so we're going to fight back. All right, stuff I like. I've been talking about war stories uh, to honor 9-11, uh, but not to glorify war. And one of my favorite war stories is a book called Catch-22 by Joseph Heller, written in 1961. This used to be considered a classic. I don't even know. Has anybody read Catch-22? No. It's uh, like... Yeah, I know. You know the phrase. Exactly. It's, you know, it was made into a movie. Don't watch the movie. The movie is really mediocre. The book is one of I, I read this book in school and I would be in classes and I couldn't stop reading it. So I put it in my, my textbook and I would read it. And then I would just explode with laughter and get caught reading this thing. And so what Catch-22 is, is Catch-22 is a military rule. This, the story is about a guy named Yossarian who's a bombardier in World War II. And he's flown all the missions he's supposed to, but they won't let him go home. They won't let him out of the mission. So he's keep they keep flying missions and he's looking for any way out. And so he wants to prove to them to them that he's crazy because the rule is 
that if you're crazy, you don't have to fly any missions. But catch-22 is that if you don't want to fly any more missions, you're not crazy because you can get killed up there. <laughs> so catch-22 is you don't have to fly if you're crazy, but if you don't want to fly, you're not crazy, so you have to fly. <laughs> In other words, it's this military rule where there's no way out. And it just be, it just takes over the entire logic of, of war and of the story. It is a laugh-out-loud funny book. The first two-thirds of it are maybe some of the funniest stuff I have ever read. All right, it's the mailbag tomorrow. Do not, uh, do not delay. Do not uh, hold back. Hit us with your best, hardest questions. We'll answer them all, and then your life will be free. You know, you'll just be able to skip down the path of life to inevitable death. All right, I'm Andrew Clavin. This is the Andrew Clavin Show. We'll be back again tomorrow. Thanks for listening.